AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Three teens, including brothers, behind bars right now for homicide. Now, typically, when I read a headline that says, teens, boys too, teen males behind bars for murder, for homicide, I think, oh, Junior predators, baby killers, they're going to even be worse when they grow up. But believe it or not, these three teens have nearly 250,000 signatures demanding they be released from jail. Now, have you ever heard me say, I want a killer released from behind bars? Because I don't think I have ever said that. Before you judge me, I want you to hear the whole story. Why are three teen boys behind bars for homicide? 
I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our cut one, our friends at KRGV Channel 5. A homicide investigation underway in FAR. That's video from the scene in McAllen yesterday. FAR police say the body of 42-year-old Gabriel Quintanilla was dumped there after he was killed. 18-year-old Alejandro Trevino already in custody in connection with Quintanilla's death. Charges against him pending. Police now looking for 17-year-old Cristian Santos. They're also looking for a third guy believed to be driving a red Dodge Charger. We're told the investigation stems from a family situation. If you know where to find Santos or have any other information related to this case, contact our Crime Stoppers at 787-8477. With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. First of all, Catherine Marsh, Special Victims Liaison, State Attorney's Office, joining us. You can find her at Right Response Consulting Dot com. Karen Stark, renowned psychologist, joining us out of Manhattan at KarenStark.com, starting with a C. Greg Sheffer, former Phoenix Police Department detective, 22 years in specializing. Dr. Kendall Crowns with us, the chief medical examiner, Tarrant County, that's Fort Worth, Texas, lecturer, University of Texas and Texas A&M, also faculty, University of Texas Medical and first, let's go to Mark Reagan, staff reporter, the monitor that's in the Rio Grande Valley. You can find him at myrgv.com. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. I want to start, first of all, with the discovery of 42-year-old Gabriel Quintanilla. Tell me where was his body found and in what condition? Mr. Quintanilla's body was found um, by a farmer in a, a kind of a small agricultural area on the on the southern part of McAllen. Which Wait, is like, are you saying McAllen? McAllen. Okay. MC McAllen. A-L-L-E-N. Yes, go ahead. Because yeah. I have Far uh, Texas. Right. So McAllen and Far are right next to each other. We're mm-hmm. the seventh largest county in, heat in, in the state of Texas. And, Whoa. Um, Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Mark, Texas yes. is like its own country. God bless Texas. Who doesn't love Texas? Nobody that I know. So if you're telling me McAllen and Farr are the two biggest counties in Texas, that must be pretty big. Tell me. Tell me about it. We've got about a million people here, lots of international commerce. Um, and then we also are kind of surrounded by rural areas. And, and those rural areas are kind of on the edges to the south and to the north. And it's one of the, in these rural areas that... Um, they found Quintanilla's body. Uh, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I want to get back to McAllen and Far. Okay. When you say there's a lot of international commerce, what do you mean by that exactly? Chances are, if you eat tomatoes, they go through Far. Really? Produce, yes. Um, car parts, um, stuff of that nature. Can you keep talking? Because I don't know any of this. I mean, I know how to try a murder case. I know how to talk about. Uh, trajectory of bullets and bleeding out and the law and felony murder. I know how to wrap crime scene tape around a house, but I don't know anything about what you're saying. So this dead body is found out in a rural area. You said McAllen County. Is that what you said? No, McAllen is a city. The county is Hidalgo County. 
Okay, I'm going to go with the city of McAllen. Okay, city of McAllen, yeah. and in a rural area, correct? Right, right. And so, so the case first originated with that police department. Mark Reagan with me from the Monitor uh, in Rio Grande Valley. Mark, that is a huge area there in Texas, um, huge rural area. And like you just schooled me, if you eat a tomato, it probably came through uh, McAllen. Where exactly in this huge rural area was Gabriel Cantilla's body found? On a small little plot of farmland south of the city of McAllen. A small plot of farmland south of McAllen. Was he buried? No. He was just laying no, there in front of God and everybody. Just laying there in, in some in some tall grass. Laying in tall grass. I'm just curious. Did they look for drag marks? Had he been dragged there, dumped there? Were there car or tire tracks and tall grass? I mean, you know what you're making me think of? Uh, everybody, we all went through the Karina Vitrano murder case, the Long Island jogger case together. And in the journey, oh, I hate using that word, but in the journey of uh, finding her kenner, killer, Finding her body started with her dad, Phil Vetrano, out looking for his daughter who went jogging without him. He was supposed to go that day. And he saw one who's praying to God to find his daughter. He saw one blade of tall grass bent over. And he was told to go that way. He went that way. He saw another blade and another blade. And he followed it. And he found his daughter's body. Mark, Reagan, were there drag marks? Do we know? I don't know if there are drag marks, but there were definitely tire marks. Ah, well, there you go. You trumped me. You bigfooted me. So there were tire marks, which tells me oh so much. With me, Greg Sheffer, former Phoenix Police Department detective, 22 years. Greg, Obviously, that means the scene was staged. He was not killed there. He was taken there, and his body was dumped there. Why? Why do you believe that, if you do believe that? Well, if they, it does look like they dumped the body, or whoever dumped the body, and uh, obviously do that to try to hide the crime or hide the body, take it to a different location, and hopefully give them time to either get away or mm -hmm. to hide the body for a period of time. You know, I'm also very curious, uh, Catherine Marsh, they didn't bother to bury the body if they wanted it hidden, but they dumped it. What does that tell you about the killer? They were probably inexperienced and didn't have a lot of prior time of destroying evidence or anything like that. It could also show that it may have been pretty spontaneous or pretty quick because it was just a dump. You know, Karen Stark, the staging of a scene, the hiding of a body, you and I have talked many, many times all the way back to court TV. We would set, you and I would sit on a dark set talking about the trial as it unfolded in front of us. Staging the scene means something very significant. And staging could be as simple as moving the body. It could be as simple as putting a blanket over the face. Uh, you and I have talked about a case where um, a mother was found 
naked in her bedroom and the killer had put in a had put a wicker trash basket over the mom's head. I mean, we see all sorts of staging, staging to make a murder look like a suicide. But what does staging tell you about the identity of the killer, Karen Stark? Well, it tells you how the killer feels about the victim. You know, for instance, the examples you were giving, Nancy, when someone's face is being covered, then then you assume that there was concern about them um, being taken care of to some extent, as absurd as that may sound. And when I think about this particular example, there is no staging. They just dump him and leave him. And that tells me that they could care less, that here's a person that they disregard, feel like he's trash, let him just be there, and they're fine with that, angry. You're saying that very often scenes are staged because the killer cares about the victim. In this case, I don't think they cared about the victim at all. They dumped him out in a rural area hoping nobody would ever find his body. What do you make of that? Mm -hmm. I agree. That's exactly what I'm saying. The fact that they just dumped him and made no attempt to cover him up or even to hide their crime tells me that they were enraged, furious. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. To Mark Reagan joining us from the Monitor there in the Rio Grande Valley. You can find him at Monitor News. Hey, Mark, could you tell me about the COD cause of death? The cause of death is blunt force trauma. Mm. Okay, that takes some doing, Dr. Kendall Crowns. It's not always like you see in the movies, one whop to the back of the head and the person kills over dead. Very often, you find the victim of blunt force trauma death beaten from head to toe. Explain what it takes to kill somebody with blunt force trauma, as in this case. Well, so when you're using blunt force trauma and just using your fists and not a, a bat or a board or something like that, you, you have to hit the individual numerous times to uh, try and cause enough damage to kill them. Now, sometimes you can punch them in the, in the face and they fall back and they break their skull on the sidewalk. But if that doesn't happen, you just have to continually hit them until you're causing enough injury internally, generally in the neck or the skull region, that it causes uh, injury to the brain or vital structures in the neck uh, until they die. Also, you can hit an individual in the abdomen as well and cause a rupture of the liver and intestines. But again, that takes a fair amount of force and uh, a lot of repetitive hitting. So, Mark Reagan, what do police do when they find Gabriel Quintanilla there on this isolated farm? And you said it was a small family farm plot. To whom did the plot belong? Or do we know that yet? Oh, we don't know. We don't know who it belonged to. Um, these, These little splashes of farmland are pretty, pretty common in the area. So, Mark Reagan, did anyone live on the plot? Was there a home there? No. No, nobody lived there. Nobody lived there. What about any video surveillance? I guess in that area, very rural area, the closest thing you'd have to any video surveillance is going to be maybe, maybe, and probably not a red, a red light cam. Um, well, actually, 
you'd be surprised. It, it is rural, but it's right up next to an urban area as you get down close to the border. And and being the nature of the border, um, there are cameras everywhere. Um, but they were able to obtain that video surveillance. Why are three teens behind bars for the homicide of this man, 42-year-old Gabriel Quintanilla? They have just appeared for their first appearance. And now, as the story unfolds, take a listen now to Far Police Chief Andy Harvey. A second part of this that I want to make sure it's clear is that uh, and there were some questions about why is it a, a capital murder versus just a murder. And it's a capital murder because uh, Quintanilla was kidnapped, right, when they, he was taken and um, in the back of the F-150 and dropped off somewhere else. So he was kidnapped. And then at the scene where they dropped him off, uh, the, um, the, the uh, Trevinos, they um, got some property. They, they removed some property or stole some property from Quintanilla. So that makes it a capital murder. So I understand what they're saying to you, Catherine Marsh, is that it is a capital murder because it was what? In conjunction with another felony such as kidnap or robbery? That's right. So in Texas, you can have a capital murder crime when you have an intentional killing that goes along with either a kidnapping or a robbery. And as we heard from the police chief, he's saying we've got the elements here of a kidnapping, taking him from one location to the other, the field where he was found. And then also some of his personal property was removed. Mark Reagan, I'm very curious what is the property that was stolen? Because that makes it sounds like, sound like the three, the two brothers and the friend, were after the alleged victim, Gabriel Quint, uh, Quintanilla, to rob him. The, the item, the piece of property that was stolen was actually very personal. It was a watch, I believe it was a gold watch, that Christian gave his stepfather for a birthday or a Christmas. And the last thing Christian does after dumping a stepdad in the field is he takes that watch back. And that's the piece of property that was stolen. What does that tell you, Karen Stark? So symbolic, Nancy. I mean, if you think about what we're, we're talking about with them just dumping the body, he's saying absolutely made a mistake in giving you this watch. You don't deserve anything. And I'm taking You know what else it that. tells me, Karen Stark? It tells me that at some point this teen boy who's now just turned 17 cared about the stepfather Gabriel Quintanilla enough for a young boy who doesn't have much to get the money to buy the stepfather a gold watch and then I mean when you have a breakup or something like that Karen Stark you want I want my stuff back you want your stuff back because it means something because you were, let's just say, in love and you feel betrayed and you want your stuff back. That To me, I can just see this teen boy taking that gold watch that he had given his stepfather back after he had beat him so badly because at one time he cared for the stepfather. That's, that's the picture that is so clear, Nancy, that... Betrayal is the word you use that comes to mind, that he loved him and cared about him and got a gold, not just a regular watch, but a gold watch and was so hurt, betrayed, angry that he grabbed that back. He made sure 
after killing him. He took the time to take that watch. We're finding out more about how the murder unfolded. Take a listen to Far Police Chief Andy Harvey cut 10. They found him on Veterans Road walking, and so a third assault happened. So this continues, and it's the third time that they meet. Well, uh, what we learn now is that during the second assault, I believe, um, Christian had some brass knuckles, and so brass knuckles were used in these assaults. So they continued to um, assault Quintanilla, and they, this time they severely beat him to the point where he's either unconscious or, or close to it. They then decide to pick him up, kidnap him, put him in back of the F-150 in the bed, and drive off to somewhere in South McAllen. He was dropped off somewhere in the Wayland McCall area. That's where the, the McAllen Police Department was called, and that's where they found him later that day. Uh, we understand that he was unconscious but breathing at the time, but none, nonetheless, Quintanilla died there at the, uh, in the open field. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen a lot of people crying over this murder. Think about it. A murder with the use of brass knuckles. So why have nearly 250,000 people joined together to get these teens out from behind bars? Because to Dr. Kendall Crown's chief medical examiner, joining us out of Tarrant County, that's Fort Worth, explain what brass knuckles do and why that's different from punching somebody with your fist. So what brass knuckles are is they go over your fingers and they are standardly metal they can be shaped in a way that they can have edges or or even uh, points on them uh, and what they make your punching more efficient so they cause more uh, tissue damage with each punch because the metal uh, can cause more damage and then again if they're shaped it can also cause tearing or punctures or things like that uh, so brass knuckles make your punches better or harder. Dr. Kendall Crown spoken like a true MD, a medical doctor, a medical examiner. Greg Sheffer, break it down for me. What do brass knuckles do? Uh, they cause great damage. It's going to increase your damage. You punch somebody in the face with brass knuckles, it's going to be lights out. And if you hit them multiple times, you could crush the skull, cause hemorrhaging to the brain. And also, it protects the hand. It doesn't cause the person using them, they don't worry about breaking their knuckles when they're breaking the face. It's so devastating. They, they damage. It's devastating yes. to whoever is taking those punches. So why, again, a quarter million people want these three out from behind bars? Take a listen to our cut to Karina Vargas, CBS4. Three teens were charged today for the murder of a 43-year-old man. We first brought you this story Thursday when FAR police were searching for suspects after the death of Gabriel Quintanilla. And then on Friday, investigators linked three teens. You can see on your screen on the left is 17-year-old Christian Trevino. In the center, 18-year-old Alejandro Trevino. And on the right is 19-year-old Juan Eduardo Melendez. Quintanilla was found in a McAllen field. And police say that several fights broke out at different locations after Quintanilla was accused of touching his nine-year-old daughter, who was also the half-sibling to the Trevino brothers. Quintanilla was left in a field severely beaten. Investigation revealed that the, uh, the, the victim was uh, 
hurt, beaten with a uh, brass knuckles and, su and suffered uh, severe head trauma at that point. Although the victim was severely beaten, beaten the victim may have still have been alive when he was there uh, and McAllen. We don't know for how long. Obon has been set at $500,000 for all suspects. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Straight out to Mark Reagan joining us from The Monitor. So, bottom line, these three teens, two of them brothers, were convinced the stepfather, Gabriel Quintanilla, had been molesting the nine-year-old little sister. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that, that's right. The the. On that day, the child had made an outcry to the mother, and, and, the, and, the, and the boys found out about it. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of the story. Take a listen to our cut six. Again, Fire Police Chief Andy Harvey. This warrant was for a separate offense, not the nine-year-old. We were not aware, and we were not aware of any history. Mark Reagan, another child molestation victim. There's a warrant for a separate Offense? What? That's, that's correct. And we, we know very little about the details of that warrant. Well, what, do you know what the warrant was for? Yes, continuous sexual abuse of a child. And not this nine-year-old little girl? A different little not girl? Not this nine-year-old girl. Can I just ask, theoretically, what was he doing out and in the home with a nine-year-old little girl? Why was he there? Uh, shouldn't that be, have been a condition for if you got a warrant for you? I mean, why was he allowed to be in the home with a nine-year-old girl? And it's really hard for me to understand why the girl's mother would let him in the home unless she didn't know about it. Those are just a few questions running through my mind. Let's take a listen to Cut 6 again. The police chief, Andy Harvey. Start from the top, please. This warrant was for a separate offense not the nine-year-old. We were not aware, and we were not aware of any history between Quintanilla and his nine-year-old girl, uh, which allegedly happened on Wednesday night. So we just don't know, uh, have enough information about that because that's still an ongoing investigation. So those are two separate incidents. Uh, we had not heard from Quintanilla. Obviously, he's been running from us, and we didn't know of him until he was found deceased in McAllen. An ongoing investigation. In other words, this guy's walking free after he's accused of molesting one little girl. He's walking free because of an ongoing investigation. They don't even know where he is. Take a listen to our cut number four, KRGV's Monica DeAnda. That warrant for Gabriel Quintanilla for continuous sexual abuse of a child was from another incident, and that involved another minor, not the minor currently involved in this case. We're also learning tonight the mother of the Trevino brothers may face charges. The detectives went out to look for Quintanilla at that time and were unable to find him. They searched. They went to his last known residence. They went to his mother's residence multiple times. FAR police first learned about Gabriel Quintanilla in 2019 when a minor claimed Quintanilla sexually assaulted her between 2014 and 2016. Uh, he was being elusive, obviously, and, and uh, hiding from us. 
Chief Harvey telling us Quintanilla's name was then entered in a national database, and he'd been on the run ever since. So the ongoing three years of child molestation alleged, going back to 2016, there was a, a warrant taken out in 2019. Now, you know what? Uh, straight back out to you, Mark Reagan. I, I'm just a JD, a Juris Doctorate. I'm not good at math, but let's see, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. There's been an ongoing investigation for four years on molestation that started back in 2016. Are my numbers correct, Mark? Your And what's the population of Far Texas? Uh, you know, it's it's best just to lump the whole area, and it's about it's about a million kids grows into each other. This guy's living right under their noses, and they couldn't find him, so he's out walking free, so he can molest another little girl that we know of. I mean, Karen Stark, uh, my our friendly shrink from Manhattan. Karen Stark, how many times have we talked about the fact that once somebody's caught molesting, it's like DUI. Once you catch a DUI, they have already driven drunk. I forgot how many, 100 X times they've already driven drunk. Same thing with child molestation. Once you catch one, they've already molested, what, 70 times and they've never been caught? Is that the right number? Um, I would say so, Nancy. They've, they have been doing this for many, many years. They can't stop them. I'm so mad right now. I could chew a nail in half. Karen Stark, when children are right. molested, they they go on. From the outside looking in, it seems like they're having a normal life. They're not. What are some of the side effects of child molestation on the victim? It influences everything, Nancy. They're not able to perform well in school sometimes. It's trauma. So they can't sleep at night. They relive the incident. They don't feel comfortable around adults or people in general sometimes. They develop a lot of phobias. It's a terrible, terrible thing, as you know. To do that to a child, their life is never the same. That feeling of helplessness to Greg Sheffer, former Phoenix PD detective, 22 years specializing in child sex exploitation and child crimes against children. Jump in, Greg. This is not a tea party over at Highgrove. All right? We're talking about a child molester that has now been murdered. The sons had to take the law into their own hands. Well, when, when I heard about it, it... It sounds like they walked that warrant through. So I don't think he was ever in custody for that prior uh, case. Whoa, 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 whoa. Explain what you just said, walk it through. Well, it sounds like they never arrested him for that prior case, but they wanted to, and then he was in the wind. And so they walked that warrant through, which means they went through either a grand jury to get an indictment so they could get a warrant to issue it and put it in the system so they could try to pick him up. So I don't know the, the details of that prior case but obviously it was extensive it was a two-year uh, crime of continuous sexual abuse and obviously if he lived in that town his family knew about that as well so that that was not a secret crime 
I'm sure mom knew about it and anybody associated with it knew about that. And, um, but then when he did the, the repeat and he actually harmed someone closer to home, I think that's what enraged the brothers and, and caused. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Catherine Marsh, just based on what we know right now. If there had been ongoing sex molestation in the last case where he was walking free, um, that tells me ongoing a couple of years at least of molesting a little girl. He had access to her like a parent, a stepfather, an uncle, a piano teacher, something like that where he had access to a child alone. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like a similar transaction to you? Because here you got a nine-year-old girl allegedly being molested by Gabriel Quintanilla. Same thing. Absolutely. Second verse, same as the first. How long, how loudly do we have to sing? This is a man who has been in a position of trust and care for at least two young people that we know he abused that trust and sexually molested them. And what we know is there was enough evidence for the first incident that the court or a commissioner found probable cause for that crime and issued a warrant. And the real travesty is from 2019, that warrant was not served and this little nine-year-old girl was also molested. And I bet you bottom dollar other girls were molested as well. Guys, take a listen to our Cut 5 from KRGV. Police have arrested three teens, including Quintanilla's stepsons, Alejandro and Christian Trevino, and a third male, Juan Eduardo Melendez. According to police, they beat Quintanilla after hearing he had allegedly sexually abused another minor, who is also a family member. Now, two of the teens facing capital murder charges. Capital murder because... Uh, Quintanilla was kidnapped, right, when they, he was taken in, um, in the back of the F-150 and dropped off somewhere else. So he was kidnapped. And then at the scene where they dropped him off, uh, the, um, the, the uh, Trevinos, they um, got some property. They, they removed some property or stole some property from Quintanilla. We also asked Chief Harvey if there's a possibility the boy's mother could face charges. That's still all part of this open investigation. That is certainly a question that we had, uh, whether or not, why we weren't notified and that kind of thing. So there's more questions out there, and that's something that we're still looking into. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Mark Reagan is joining me, uh, reporter with The Monitor. Mark, why would the teen boy's mother be arrested? What was the reasoning there? If, if she knew that Quintanilla had this warrant and she didn't turn him in, that would be hindering apprehension or prosecution. Wait a minute. The law would expect her to turn in her own husband? Yes. Okay. That's probably not going to happen. But what I'm more concerned about, Mark Reagan, and of course, you're absolutely right. But what I'm more concerned about, if the mom knew about the alleged prior sex molestation that went on for allegedly years on another little girl, why would she have him around the nine-year-old daughter? And Mark Reagan also, the nine-year-old 
alleged child molestation victim at the hands of now dead Gabriel Quintanilla. That's her daughter, right? That's correct. And her half-brothers, her stepbrothers, are Christian and Alejandro, correct? That's right. So from what I understand, the little girl admits that the dad, Gabriel Quintanilla, is molesting her and the boys go, they go look for him and they find him, right? That's right. And they kill him, right? That's right. They kill him. Um, I think one thing you can note, though, is, is Alejandro only participated in the first beating. Then Christian and his, his friend Juan go track him down the second time, then the third time. Take a listen to Our Cut 3, KRGV. The three teens on your screen now arraigned for the murder of a man in McAllen. Our police say the trio severely beat 42-year-old Gabriel Quintanilla and dumped his body in a McAllen field. We first told you about this story on Thursday when police discovered the body. Officials tell us the incident started when a child alerted someone that Quintanilla had touched them inappropriately. After the teens confronted Quintanilla, a fight broke out and continued at several locations before he was dumped in McAllen. Police believe Quintanilla may have been alive when he was dropped off. Quintanilla was already wanted by police for ongoing abuse of a child. All three teens have been charged with aggravated assault and engaging in criminal activity. Christian Trevino and Juan Eduardo Melendez also charged with capital murder. And a lot of questions are, we're finding answers to them. Now take a listen to our cut eight, police chief again. January 21st, our detectives met with Alejandro, um, the 18 year old, and he talked about a fight that took place at 1201 East Moore uh, trailer, it's a trailer park, 140, involving Alejandro and Christian, his brother. And what they have, what they heard was to be an alleged um, touch by their stepdad, Quintanilla, with their sister, nine-year-old sister. They learned that their stepdad had inappropriately touched her, his nine-year-old, which is their stepsister, uh, half-sister, half, half which is also uh, important to note that the nine-year-old that was the victim, uh, this is her biological dad. Quintanilla is her biological father. It has a lot of different legs here, so I'm trying to keep everybody uh, kind of up-to-date here. So here's a guy that's been charged with child molestation on a little girl before. I would wager somebody he's related to because he had access to the child to molest them over a period of years. Nobody stopped him. Get a warrant on him. It gets walked through. In other words, they they get the warrant. He's charged. And then he's, as was said earlier, in the wind, on the loose. Cops don't do their job. They don't find him until he turns up half dead out in a field because they didn't do their job. He's free to molest again. This little girl that we know of, how many others don't know? Now, I'm not suggesting police are responsible for the death, the homicide, but I am saying they dropped the ball and didn't put this guy behind bars. Of course, on the other hand, Mark Reagan, uh, you and I were talking off camera about jail crowding, and it was my belief that in Texas, they don't just let you out because the jail is crowded. But am I wrong? 
I don't know. They, they don't just let you out because the uh, jail is overcrowded. and uh, Like they do in New York City and City of Atlanta and many other big jurisdictions. They just, here, give me your fingerprint. Boop. You, you know in New York they were actually <clears throat> giving arrestees gift cards. Mark Reagan, you know that, right? In New York City. De Blasio was handing out gift cards to people after they no, got charged. No, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, well, now you are. Mm-hmm. It's like you get a prize for getting arrested. Mark Reagan, joining me from the monitor at Rio Grande Valley. Mark, the fight, let me say, went to multiple locations. Tell me about that. Um, sure. It was kind of, uh, they, they caught him outside the, the, the initial apartment complex. They beat him. He ran away on foot. Um, they tracked him down. They beat him again. He was able to get away one more time and they went and they found him the final time and uh, he didn't get away that time. What is the mother saying about all of this, Mark Reagan? Right now, nothing publicly. Um, all they've been saying is we need, we need um, money to get a lawyer. A lawyer for the three boys, the teens. For the boys, that's right. This is what we are learning about the way that the homicide unfolded. Take a listen to our cut nine. It's the police chief, Andy Harvey, again. This is what happened. They found out about this. There was a fight that ensued there inside the trailer between the two brothers and their uh, stepdad. There was a fight. Stepdad Quintanilla leaves the trailer. He walks out and shortly right down the road, um, Christian, the, the older brother, leaves, catches up to Quintanilla, and there's a fight that ensues. Well, around the same time, Christian and Juan Melendez, the friend, catch up to them. They get involved in the fight, and so there's three against one. So the second assault happened right down the road on Moore. A few minutes later, they leave him there. He's beaten up, but he's still uh, conscious and walking. The three leave, drop off Alejandro back at the house. They go to Juan's house, pick up a different car. They picked up a white F-150 and they decide to go back and look for Quintanilla to see if they can find him again. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that vigilante justice was carried out. Take a listen now to our Cut 18 from ABC. A frantic father called 911 after finding a farmhand, Jesus Flores, allegedly sexually assaulting his little girl. The Lavaca County District Attorney's Office released the dramatic call. Well, that's 9911, state emergency. Are you okay? I'm going to ask you this. Okay. I'm going to ask you this. This guy was raped by my daughter and I beat him up and I don't know what to do. In that case, the defendant who attacked his daughter's molester was let free. So explain to me right now, straight back out to our friend Mark Reagan from The Monitor in Rio Grande Valley. Where does the case stand now? You've got at least a two-time sex offender on children, allegedly, walking free, and the brothers of the little girl find him and beat him, and he dies. They're the ones behind bars. Where does the case stand right now, Mark? Well, right now, what's probably happening is is, is the uh, boys are going to get, I'm, I'm sure they're going to get court-appointed court attorneys. And those attorneys are likely going to 
file what's called um, a root of habeas corpus, basically a bond reduction, and, and they'll get they'll they'll probably get uh, where the attorneys, you know, they'll make uh, several arguments, you know, bail can't be used as punishment, safety for the community, and they'll hash it out and, and try try to get these bonds reduced for for um, these young men, and then simultaneously, the uh, police department is con- I'm sure is continuing to investigate and working with prosecutors in the DA's office to build an indictment to eventually um, present to a grand jury. If you want to help in any way or find out more, go to change.org. Justice for Alejandro, Christian, and Juan. Repeat, change.org. Justice for Alejandro, Christian, and Juan. If you know of someone that is being sex assaulted, Don't just stand by and do nothing. If you need help yourself, toll free, 800-656-4673. Repeat, 800-656-4673. Let justice be done. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.